If you have your Bible, will you turn with me to Psalm 85? I'm going to talk to you just a few minutes because our time is really going. But God's been emphasizing joy today. The joy of the Lord. The hope of the gospel. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That through the patience and comfort of the scripture that you might have hope. David said, I had fainted unless I believed. Here is what hope is all about in the old covenant. Unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Hope biblically defined is the glad anticipation of future good. Everyone in here. How many know God has something good in mind for you? Amen. When there's any doubt about that, he declares it himself in the old covenant. I know to his covenant people in ancient Israel, I know my thoughts that I have toward thee. Don't let somebody tell you what they think. Somebody may get mad at you and want God to whoop you. Amen. Amen. Seriously, some, some prophets got frustrated. In fact, in the New Testament... They preached the gospel, they went through rejection, and they said, what did they say, these boys that are going to become the, the foundation stones for the New Testament church? What did they say? Let's call fire down from heaven, and let's just roast them all. Amen? That's pretty frustrated when you're, you're sent out to, to get people saved, and you're calling judgment down on their heads. Amen? I've seen preach. I saw a preacher in a tent meeting one time. They took the offering. They brought it and showed him the offering. And he took his Bible. This was supposed to be a prophet. And I won't tell you his name. We got all. There's so many of them. I'd forget somebody and they would be disappointed. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. He took his Bible, Brother Taylor. And he threw it as far as he could throw it and stomped his foot and literally, in so many words, call fire down out of heaven because people didn't give as generous as he thought they ought to give. And I thought, you know, they ought to just go ahead and have enough of God to get up and leave. <laughs> Can you say amen? I did. So we, we understand people's frustrations when we see people rejecting Christ. I understand the, how upsetting it can be when people push back uh, after Jesus has died on the cross. But Jesus told them, you don't know what spirit that you're of. Amen. I didn't come into the world to condemn it. It's the condemnation that sent him here. It's God's love for fallen man. And he knew where they would spend eternity without him. And he loved the world enough in that fallen condition to give his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish. See, it's not his will, the scripture said, that any perish, but that all have eternal life. So that's why God reiterated, regardless of what anybody else says, let me tell you what's in my heart towards you. Amen. Even, see, sometimes God chastened his people. And he, well, actually, he always does. They wouldn't belong to him if he did not. But he wanted them to know, I love you. Don't ever interpret this chastisement as you rejecting me, not loving me, not wanting to forgive me and pardon me and restore me. See, I don't understand how repentance has got such a, a bad spin on it as some negative message, some old fire and brimstone preacher. Well, if he does it without love, I understand that. But if you understand the love of God, you'll understand that his chastisement is not for our hurt, but for our learning, for our good. Some of you, how, you know, a lot of people, I venture to say most people, 
came to Christ after going through a crisis in their life. They came to want and came to themselves. That's how the prodigal got brought back home. The father never quit loving him, but he couldn't show that love until he came back. Amen. But he wouldn't come back until his sin brought him to want. And when he hit the bottom, he said, you know, even the servants in my father's house are faring better than me. I'm not even worthy. You can see his repentant heart, his penitent heart. I'm not even worthy to be called his son. But if I could just be a servant in my father's house, it's better than this. He finally figured it out. Sin will take you where you didn't intend to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And then try to refuse to let you go when you want to be free. The good news is Jesus is anointed to set the captive free. And to set at liberty those that are bruised by sin. Can you say amen? And hallelujah. And, and when you want to be free, He has the anointing, the power, and the purpose to set you free. And the chains will be broken. There's no doubt about it. Every chain of darkness will be broken. Every prison house, will the bars will fly open. If you want to be free, hallelujah, and to serve the living and true God, there's no habit that can hold you. There's no demon that can hold you. There's no devil that can hold you. There's no darkness that can hold you. Praise God. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In other words, it's for rizzle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's for real. It's not something religion. You don't just decide to practice a religion. You get set free. As it is written, you've been translated. When you get saved, you're translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Hallelujah. You're placed spiritually in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ spiritually comes to live within you. Praise God. His kingdom comes. That's what it means when you say thy kingdom come. Not just in the future when Christ comes to rule and reign, but when He comes to take up residence in your heart and in your life. Thy kingdom come. Kingdom is not a mystical thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are really synonymous. You can split hairs over them, but they're really one in the same. And kingdom simply means where a king reigns in absolute, undisputed authority. That's His kingdom. Amen. And when we make Jesus the Lord, Adonai, and God the Lord of our life, His kingdom comes in us. Because the King now reigns in us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When the King reigns in us, we reign in life. Can you say, man, we're not subject to the devil anymore. He can't make us do anything. He can tempt us to do everything, but he can't force us to do anything. Hallelujah. For whom the sun sets free, we're free indeed. It's real. When Peter was in prison, he didn't realize he was free. He's in prison, and they're so scared of him getting loose. They knew there's something different about this guy. There's something going on here beyond just a, a somebody we're supposed to keep in prison. And so they, they put him in the inner prison. Remember, we had a, we had a testimony here from Dougie March. And he was, he, was a, he was kind of a gang guy over in England. <laughs> and he said, he said, not only did they put me in jail, 
But they put me in solitary confinement in jail. Because I sit down to eat. I turned my head to say something to somebody. Looked around and said, where's my sausage? (laughs) Somebody stole his sausage. So being the bad guy that he was, he jumped on him in prison. He said, not only did they put me in prison. He said, they put me in prison in prison. And isolated me from everybody else. But while he was in prison, in prison, he found Jesus Christ as his Savior. And while still in a physical prison, he became set free from the prison house of sin. Hallelujah. And, and he began, when he come out of prison, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he went to Africa and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he didn't know how to preach. He didn't have a mission organization sending him. Or how to get people to listen to his testimony. But he said, while in Africa, he saw a man have some kind of attack and fall down on the ground. And people begin to get around him, try to give him CPR and calls for someone to come. Uh, And he said when he saw him there, the Lord said, go pray for him. Go pray for him. Go pray for him. Dougie Marks, this this criminal, this this fighter, this gang member in England. (laughs) He said, the Lord said, go pray for him and I'll raise him up. (laughs) And he said, I went over and said, in the name of Jesus. And, And they told him, they said, no, no, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. The guy's dead. In other words, there's no need. Just back off. He's dead. He's dead. No CPR now. It's too late. He's quit breathing. It's over. There's no heartbeat. And he prayed for him anyway. And the guy went, (gasps) took a deep breath. And he revived. And he got up. And suddenly, God opened a door for him to have a testimony. He said it was in the paper the next day. He said he didn't have anything to give anybody to get them to listen. He wasn't an evangelist, some great personality, but when God by His Spirit moved to do something so special that people saw it, it captivated their attention and people came then to hear his testimony and his testimony was what jesus can do with anybody that will give their heart and their life to him can you say man it wasn't about anointings or healing ministries it's about a great and gracious god and a savior that is the same yesterday today and forever hallelujah and i thank god for dougie march and his testimony from england praise the lord God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. Let's talk about revival for just a few moments. Psalm 85. It said, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. See, you got to stop right there and say... Man, this is, if I don't have on my shouting shoes, it's time to change my shoes out. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. When God pardons all of our sin, forgives all of our iniquity, begins to treat us as if we had never sinned, and restores His blessing to our life. Amen. It's time to salah. If it was in music, there would be a pause where there is, there is nothing but a, a silence and then the music began again. In terms of studying the Scripture, it's a time to sit down and calmly 
contemplate what has just been said. Because if we get through it too fast, we'll lose the incentive to praise Him that He wanted us to have when we really get it. We're supposed to stop before going to the next verse. And Selah. Everybody say Selah. Hallelujah. How many are glad that He was wounded? For your transgression and mine. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His strife. That's a Salah moment. That's why we are saved today. And the joy of salvation is what's been lost in the Christian. We got our doctrine right. We got our scriptures down. We got our bumper stickers on our car. We got our, our, our sticker uh, t- uh, scripture on our refrigerator. What we need is to stop all of our endeavors for a moment and begin to let it sink in again what it just means to be saved not looking for some manifestation not looking for some new thing no God you saved me we need to go back and revisit the cross it's called doing your first works rekindling your first love getting the joy of his salvation back Psalm 51 if you're saved David David wrote Psalm 32 and he penned Psalm 51 after he had been forgiven a heinous sin. When I read what he did, I thought, what a rat. What a dirty, stinking rat. You know what David did after he slayed the giant? After he defended Israel? After he was crowned king over Israel under God's blessing? You know what he did? He's out. He could have had any lady legitimately to be his wife. But he's out walking around one day. And guess what he's doing? His army's out fighting. Instead of leading them in the battle, he's luxuriating in all the riches of his kingdom. He's already got a title as the great psalmist of Israel and the mighty warrior king. And he's out walking around and he, he comes upon a young woman who's bathing. How many bathe naked as a rule? The rest of you are so sanctified you wear a wetsuit, right? Even to, the, even, to the, even to the shower. She wasn't tempting him. He didn't have to stop. We used to, we used to have a church in Suffer Springs. How many remember that? The Holy Church of God. There was a X-rated, there was a theater down from us, X-rated, but there was a drive-in theater showing X-rated movies on the drive-in. They made them quit because the interstate ran by. And there's people doing 75 miles an hour. Looking back at the nudity on the screen, the tower drive-in. You remember that. And they couldn't take their eyes off of David watched a young woman bathing. He had the option to turn his head out of respect for her and respect for his God, but he was enthralled with her. Forbidden fruit. Scripture said in the book of Proverbs, stolen waters are sweet. And I can attest to that, not because of some kind of affair. Don't run off until I'm finished. Because Mr. McCraney, I used to call him Old Man McCraney before I got saved. Now I give him the Mr. 
He had a watermelon field about a mile and a half from my house. And on a Saturday night when there's not a lot to do in the Mango Sefner area, and there wasn't a lot to do, in the summertime, we knew there were big, beautiful watermelons growing in that field. And a friend of mine and another friend of mine, we would get together. We didn't, we didn't get a bunch of stuff out of his field, but we just, you know, we'd go get us a watermelon. And we'd, we'd start cutting it, and it was so ripe, we'd get it halfway cut, and it just burst right open. We didn't have no fork or spoon or nothing. We'd just reach in with our hand and get the heart out of that watermelon. And I never... They bought watermelons all summer. My daddy loved watermelon. Got them cold in an ice box and, and ate them out under a shade tree. But I'm going to tell you, they no watermelon taste as good to me as the watermelon that we got out of Mr. McCraney's field. <laughs> he passed on. I could never find him. But there was a guy up in the Carolinas used to do the same thing. He said, before I got saved, said, we didn't just eat a watermelon. We got a bunch of watermelons. Said there was a creek that run by the watermelon field. That's why they grew so well. And he said, we would take the watermelons and we'd put them in the creek. And let the creek carry them down to where we had an old pickup truck. And when they got down there, we'd be, there's already guys down there waiting on them to come down. And they'd catch them and throw them up and throw them up in the pickup truck. And he said, and I came to Christ. And I, I, I got saved. I got set free. And the Lord prompted me to go to that guy. And he said, I went to him. I knocked on his door, the farmer that had it. He said, my name is so-and-so. And he said, I used to steal watermelons from your field. And I honestly don't know how many watermelons that we got, but we got a bunch of them. And he said, if you will tell me, if you will tell me how much you think I owe you, I don't have much money, but I got me a little job, and I will start making payments on what I owe you till I pay you off somehow. And he told him, said, son, I came out with my shotgun many nights trying to catch who was stealing from my field. And he said, but because you say you've become a Christian because you want to make it right. He said, if you'll tell me how in the world you got all those watermelons, I won't charge you anything. He said, sir, here's how we did it. He told them about the creek. We threw them in the creek. They floated downstream. There were people down there waiting to grab them. And he said, if I had caught you, I'd have shot you as sure as the moon rises and sets. And he said, well, sir, all I can do is say I'm sorry and make any restitution that I can. He said, that's all right, son. I can always get more watermelons. He said, God "God bless you. And he went his way way when God really saves somebody repentance isn't something that puts you in a box takes away your joy takes away your peace what it does it gets rid of your guilt it gets rid of your shame when God pardons you and you know your sins are forgiven and you're right with God amen there's a joy there's a buoyancy in your life I'm going on 70 years old but every time I stop and think what the Lord has done for me I'm talking about my salvation I'm not talking about anointings and revelations I'm talking about just revisiting when Jesus got a hold of me we used to sing it something got a hold on me can you say man oh it must be well sing a little of it when first I heard 
other people who claimed this old-time religion was real. I said I go down, take a look at the crowd, I'm just a weak-minded, I feel. Well, I went and I stepped and I peeped into the door, but the devil said, don't you go in. I said it won't hurt me, I just step inside and sit as far back as I can. Well, something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. I went there in doubt, but I came out with a shout, and something got a hold of me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> something got a hold on me. And I remember when it happened. We used to sing, I'll take you to the play. I can tell you the time. I can take you to the place where the Lord saved me by His wonderful grace. I can tell you the time. Some people don't know when it happened, where it happened. I can take you to, to, to Holland and Astor off of Bogan Villa to a little church that's still there. Amen. I can take you. You've been there. I can take you. I can tell you the pastor's name. I can tell you where I sat that night because I didn't have any any, any desire for the Lord. I, I, that was the last thing in my mind. I hadn't been convicted. I thought at 12 years old my sins were so little I didn't have to sweat them. But really, I was pretty, pretty far gone at 12. But anyway, moving right along, God, God, God got a hold of me. I remember the night. I was sitting there looking at that clock on the wall. Because when we get done, my grandma gave my daddy just enough money for two milkshakes. He didn't have no money, but two milkshakes. And I knew if we can get out of here, we can stop at the milkshake place. And we're going to sip on that milkshake and make it last from Tampa all the way uh, to Kennedy Hill, Mango Road, 579, where we live. There's a Hardy's restaurant there. That's where I grew up. 579 was a dirt road. Uh, there was no interstate system. Highway 92 was the only route into Tampa. Remember the story, and I've told you all before, of, uh, of the lady that the highway patrol stopped, headed for Tampa on Highway 92 back then. Stopped her for speeding. She, he said, do you un understand why I stopped you? She said, no, officer, I do not. He said, you were speeding. She said, well... How fast was I going? He said, you were going past 90. She said, well, the sign said 92. <laughs> and he said, well, ma'am, I'm glad I got you before you got to 301. Can you say, man, just glad that I got you. So I lived back in the day. I wanted to get back home. I had got a note from a girl. I had got a note from a girl. I'm going to tell you, something happens at 12. Before 12, you know, you grab their pigtails and you throw rocks at them. But after about 12, I don't know when it hit you, but it hit me around 12. I went through puberty and, and, and I got a note from a girl that told me about a girl that said she liked me. They actually thought after I got that note, they actually thought that I had been to military school. 
because back then I was short. And I'd put on my little vest and my bow tie. I polished my shoes and brushed my teeth. I washed behind my ears. Because some girl in that church liked me. And when I stood, when they were singing, I stood as tall as I could stand. And I looked like I was at attention. And one of the musicians asked my daddy, has he been to military school? <laughs> she said, no. I, no, I just discovered girls. That's all it was. And I was trying to stand taller because all the girls were taller than me. <laughs> and I had that note in my pocket that night. I carried it with me. And I was looking around for that particular young lady. And I had two things on my mind. That girl and a milkshake. And I have no idea what the preacher preached. It didn't concern me whatsoever. It wasn't a message on hell or heaven that got a hold of me. I was sitting there with a milkshake and a young lady on my mind. Amen. And, I, and, and the service got over. But you know in a Pentecostal church, it ain't over even if they say it's over. It's not over till God's done if they're led of the Spirit. So I thought the service is closing. He's making the closing. He's making the invitation. It won't be long now. He made the invitation. If you don't know the Lord, I don't know what he preached. Heaven sweet or hell hot. Yeah, it was immaterial. Milkshake and that young lady. Saw anything on my mind. Twelve years old. And then he stopped. And he said, God's not done yet. And I thought, oh man. <laughs> what do you mean? And he asked three women. One played the piano and two of them sang and harmonized. He said, will you please come to, the, come to the piano? They sat down at the piano and I said, well, they're going to sing one more song. Then it'll be over. And they begin to sing. He back, sit down. They begin to sing and the Holy Spirit just fell on that place. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Over life's ramparts, He's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Two things happened. I realized that I was a sinner. Not because I was part of a gang doing something, but I wasn't saved. That's all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I realized that a Savior, Jesus wasn't just a historical figure, a character out of history. He was a resurrected living Savior. And He was calling me to salvation. I can tell you the time. I can take you to the place right at the corner of Holland and Astor here in Tampa. Some, we used to tell people, if you can't find the church, just holler and Astor. 
Can you say amen? That'll take you right to where the church is. Hallelujah. And I gave my heart to Jesus at 12 years old. Something else happened at 12 years old. My mama and my daddy went through a very bitter divorce. And it broke my life apart. They were my life. They were everything. My daddy and mama, I didn't have brothers or sisters, didn't have too many friends. My mother and father were my life. My mama worked at, at Margaret Ann that went on to become Quick Check and then Winn-Dixie. But originally it was Margaret Ann in Tampa. My dad would take her to work and go back and get her. When he would go to get her, I would sit at the screen door of our home at that time and sit and watch all those car lights coming in fear and trembling when I was 8 and 10 years old, fear that, that something might happen to them on the road and I wouldn't have them anymore. Then when the divorce came and they began to hurt one another with their words and, and, and lash out at one another, it just tore me apart. And then I'm torn between my mother and my dad and I'm just tore up. And it got so bad that I, I remember I just went into a bitterness. I was so mad at them for all the hurt because nobody ever considered what it was doing to me. And I got bitter. And in that bitterness, I lashed out. And I became rebellious. And I walked away from that experience in the Lord. And I got way away from God. But God never gave up on me. The Holy Spirit never quit dealing with me. I would be alone riding in my car. And the Holy Ghost would begin to draw me again. I'd feel that drawing. See, Jesus said, no man comes to me except my Father draw them. Hallelujah. You can't just get saved when you decide to. You have to come when He calls. That's why the Bible said they, were, they that were with Him, with Christ at His coming in the book of Revelation, they were, they were called, chosen, and faithful. Can you say, man? They that were with Him were called. You have to be called into the kingdom. No man comes to me except my Father draw him. Can you say, man? So don't hold back. I know I can't convince you with my words alone, but if He draws you, you'll know it's Him. And if you respond to His call, you will become chosen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And if you become chosen and you realize who you are in Christ and what it means to be saved, you'll want to be faithful to Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Something got a hold on me. Somebody got a hold on me. I'd never experienced the power of God and the presence of God like that. And I came down and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I got bitter and fell away from the faith and from that reality. Ah, but God had a hold on me. And God had a claim on me. The blood of Jesus had a claim on me. I'll tell you, if you're a backslider today, the blood of Jesus has a claim on you. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus is a stronger claim than the devil can ever have on you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I, I yield. Oh, the glory. When the Lord began to deal with me again. Praise God. I decided to witness to my wife. 
I decided I'm going to witness to Pamela. I'm going to tell her that she needs the Lord. And I tried to just, you know, tell her a thing or two. She didn't know. God had never drawn her. While I was working nights, my dad come, got her, took her to church. She went down to an altar. I mean, nobody wants to be lost. Let's go get the free ticket to heaven. But God hadn't called her. So there was no change. No change. But God was ganging up on me. And to gang up on me, He ganged up on her. And one night, she's sitting there watching King of Kings near Easter season. Jeffrey Hunter was Jesus. He didn't make a very good Jesus. He really didn't. It was campy, but there was enough of the gospel in it, enough of the truth in it, enough of the Word of God in it, that God used that campy old costume drama to convict her heart and get a hold of her. And I got home past 2 o'clock in the morning with the lights on. I thought, what's wrong? Everybody's supposed to be asleep. I work night shift. I got home. The lights are on. I come in. My wife is sitting there. And she said, I received Jesus. And I thought, it's got to be real. It's got to be real. Because I didn't convince her. No preacher convinced her. It has to be God doing this. And not only that, you know, we, we loved our, our cigarettes, and I'm not, that's not the big issue. The big issue was she got so saved, and we, we, we just couldn't, you know, we made sure we had plenty of, plenty of our, our addictions around. She's, she, she, got, she got saved, went right in immediately, and flushed her cigarette. Nobody told her anything about what's right or wrong or what she ought to do. She just flushed them down the toilet. And I kind of hated to see them go. <laughs> because I still needed mine. She flushed them down the commode. They're gone. Just a short time later, my daddy's pastor called him, Brother George Cooper, and he said, Bob, God has prompted me to call you today and ask you whatever you want me to join you and agree with you in prayer for. And his dad had had stomach problems his whole life since a teenager. And he said, I started to tell him, pray for my stomach to be healed. And then it hit me. No, my son is away from God. Pray my son will come back to God. And he said, all right, I'll pray. And they prayed. And they prayed, I I don't know which night it was that they prayed, or afternoon, or however that occurred. All I know is I was coming home from work. I knew something had happened in my wife. I recognized that God is moving, and my mind began to get on the Lord. And you know what happened? When my mind started getting on the Lord, I had worked a long shift. And I was on my way home from work, and I took Benzedrine at work. They bought them from the truck drivers to speed up the heart rate. But I couldn't sleep when I got home. I could pull a big peace count. I trained every new person for five years. And they didn't understand the reason I was so good at selecting and such tonnage was in my, is because I was taking the Benzedrine. And I could work, I would, I worked in a freezer selecting frozen food and I broke out in a sweat and sweated through my uniform. Uh, I was pushing my body to its limits. Problem is, you can't lay down and go to sleep. 
when you get home, though, you wore completely out, went beyond your body's limits. So I had a bottle of whiskey underneath my seat. And I would sip the whiskey all the way back to Plant City from Tampa. By the time I got home, the whiskey was counteracting the Benzedrine. To, to get me to where I could actually go. It wasn't for fun. I wasn't doing this for fun. It was just this is my, my method of living my life. And this particular morning, the devil wanted to take me out before I came all the way home. He wanted to head me off before I got home because he knew God is moving. God is moving. God is moving. And so I'm sipping my southern comfort. It's hot. I mean, it's, it's cold. And I'm sipping that, that whiskey straight so when i get home i can go to sleep the windows are up the heater is on i've worked 12 to 14 hour shift i've went beyond my physical limits with the benzodrine and i got two blocks from home and relaxed i relaxed and when i relaxed i went to sleep at the wheel and when i went to sleep at the wheel i ran off the road i hit a power pole i tore a 59 plymouth all to pieces broke the glass on my side pushed the fender into the to the the tire and tore it all the way off the wheel pushed the radiator into the fan and tore it all to pieces so there was steam rising i was two blocks from home and my thought wasn't look how close i come to die and you know what my thought was the cops are going to come and they're going to get me for dui and I need my driver's license to go to work. And I put it on the floor. I, I, I put that old Plymouth on the floor. And it's smoking and making the racket. I made it two blocks. Pulled into my grandma's house where I had an apartment and pulled around back. Got out. Looked for the popo. <laughs> Amen. Didn't see him anywhere. And decided, whew, I made it. I'm fr- I didn't think about how if, if I had hit that pole head-on instead of glancing. It would have killed me instantly. I'd have went through that windshield with no seat belt on. The devil tried to take me out, but God wanted me home. About a few nights later, and actually that's when I saw my wife. If I put it in chronological order, he already. that's when I found out about her. A couple of nights later, I was coming home. I was coming home, and... And I felt conviction. I felt him pulling me. And of course, to break conviction, I turned the radio up loud. I got it on some hard rock and I turned it up loud. And, and I thought, you know, I'll just push this away. I'm not ready. I haven't sowed all my wild oats. You know about wild oats. Amen. And I haven't sown them all yet. I'm not ready to become one of those Christians and give up my fun as I thought it was. <laughs> but, but it got stronger. It got so strong I turned off the radio. And when I turned off the radio, God spoke to me. And He didn't play with me because the devil's trying to kill me and He wanted to save me. And He said, if you go off the road tonight, you're on your own. If you don't want me in your life, And you go off the road tonight. You're on your own. And I thought, I don't want to be on my own. I don't want to push God away anymore. There's no sin worth the hope that only He can give. And I called my daddy up the next day and I said, Dad, is there anybody? 
having church tonight. He said, there's a church of God camp meeting in Waimama. The only church service I know of. I said, Daddy, something I never said. Sent the preacher to get me. I told you about that. We lived in a house, no air conditioning, no screen door. We saw his pastor coming up the walk. We knew he's coming to get us to go to church or get us to get right. And we, we had the TV on. The baby was back there in the bassinet. And Pamela and I jumped behind the couch, got down on our hands and knees, hiding behind the couch from the preacher. So, so I know all your tricks. Amen. I can't believe we were down on our hands and knees hiding from that poor preacher guy with good intention. See, when God gets a hold of you, it's different than somebody trying to convince you. If when God gets a hold of you, you'll know it. When God calls you, you'll know it. Praise God. It is not a mental convincing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's His unique office. When He comes, He will convince the world of sin. Can you say, man? He will convict. And at the same time He's convicting us of sin, He's saying, but there is a mighty Savior that is calling you home. He wants to pardon you and forgive you and restore you. Can you say, man? And give you peace and hope. And we hid from Him. But we couldn't hide from God. And we didn't hide from Him. And I went. And the devil will not give up easy. Even when the call comes. Because my intent was. I want to get... I want to rededicate my life tonight. I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I want His kingdom to come in me. I want to be set free from the draw of sin, from the chains that hold me, the habits, the things that would have eventually destroyed my marriage, destroyed my family, destroyed my life. These pet sins that I thought I really don't want to give them up, but when you put Him and them And I have to make the choice. I'm going to choose Him over them. Because they can't give me security. They can't give me peace. They can't give me hope. They can give me an immediate physical satisfaction. But they can't give me the peace of God. The joy of Jesus. The hope of life ever after. So I sat there waiting for the call. To salvation, waiting for the invitation to rededicate, waiting. And the service came and it got down to the end of the service. And as I sat there, every part, everything about that service that would call me, I waited for that pull and the pull didn't come. And it scared me, Brother Hobbs, because I was used to when I was alone by myself, that pull would come and I would push back. This time I wanted to come forward but it felt like I was frozen in my seat and that pull was gone and heaven was somewhere out there and God was distant all of a sudden and I prayed and I said Lord let me sense you I'm not pushing back anymore I want to be saved let me sense you one more time I feel like I can't just do this I need you to draw me And the Spirit of God came down on me and I never felt. I was sitting somewhere near the back with my daddy. I never felt my feet touch the ground from my seat to the altar. And when I knelt at the altar, I didn't need nobody to pray with me. 
me and God made a connection right there, right then. Praise God, and it took. I want you to know it took. I didn't get religion. I met the Master. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. He put His hand on me. I went back the next year to that same meeting just to be there in that atmosphere and pray with other people. And I went down to the altar. Never dreamed God called me to preach or nothing. I was just glad to be saved. Joy of my salvation was still in me. I went down to that altar when somebody else hit it. I went down, put my hand on them, began to pray. And suddenly the Lord said, I'm going to strengthen thy voice. Without an audible voice. I didn't hear an audible word. But I heard God speak in my heart. Wow! And it was so loud and it was so clear that I stopped praying to look up and say, Who said that? And then I realized He said that. And I thought, What's He talking about? But a few months later, I found out what He was talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I found out once I got started, I couldn't hardly shut up. Before, I couldn't hardly get started. Now I get started and can't hardly hush. Hallelujah. He didn't make my voice louder and stronger. He put an anointing on me to bring His Word. And that anointing has remained from that day to this very day, down through all these years and through all of these tears. When I pick up a microphone and yield myself to the Holy Spirit, I don't have to think about what I'm going to say next. In fact, when the anointing comes, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say next. Can you say amen? Because I know God is going to speak to me. And God is going to speak through me. And somebody's going to hear something that's going to get down in their spirit. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. brother. The old timers used to say it's better felt than telt. If you've never experienced it, I can't explain it to you. But if God ever gets a hold on you, you'll know when it happens. You'll know it's God. And you'll know it's not just getting religion. It's finding a real, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Woo! Lord, Thou hast been favorable to Thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of Thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Don't read another thing until you stop and thank God for saving you. For forgiving you. You know what we need? We need a Salah from all of our meetings, all of our conferences, all of our evangelistic, all of our special speakers. We need a Salah to, to begin to say, Lord, thank You for saving me. Because when we get back the joy of our salvation, the joy of His salvation, sinners, isn't that an amazing thing? Psalm 51. Wash me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then, 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 not while I'm interceding, but while I'm exploding in praise and worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. Come on! You're weeping over the lost without enjoying your salvation? It's through you, it's through me that God will touch them. 
Hallelujah. With joy, you shall draw water. From where? From the wells of salvation. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. This is what this psalm is about. And they will come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy will be upon their heads. Someone said you've never seen worship. You've never heard worship. No matter how boisterous or enthusiastically they worship Baal or Diana. You've never seen worship. If the pagan don't know how to worship, you've never seen it until you've seen God's covenant people in right standing with Him, praising and worshiping Him. Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Tabernacles. Whew! You've never seen worship. It's what the historian Josephus said. You've never seen anybody worship anything or anyone like those people worship their God when they're right with Him. David danced before the Lord with a sense of protocol and decorum, with a sense of dignity. He danced before the Lord with how much of his mind? Isn't he the one that said, bless the Lord? Psalm 103, O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he gave himself the incentive and us the incentive who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Selah. Can you, he didn't put the Salah there. I'm going to put it there. What does it mean today to be forgiven? What else are we waiting for? Amen. We've escaped hell and gained heaven. Our sins have been remitted. Hallelujah. Amen. What's it worth today? Amen. What are we supposed to do with that? We go out with our doctrine. We're trying to get people to get the right doctrine. We need them to meet a Savior. Can you say amen? The woman at the well didn't talk about no doctrine. She said, come and see a man. Hallelujah. They didn't come because someone was telling them, I've got the right doctrine. And doctrine is important, but true doctrine is about a man. Woo! And they were so convinced because of her testimony that they went out to hear Jesus at the well. And what, what they heard from Jesus about that living water that He gave her, they came back rejoicing. And listen to what they told her. They said, number one, initially, what got our attention and got us to listen, we believed because of Thy saying. What did she say? Come and see a man. you got to hear this man for yourself. you got to meet this man yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. I can tell you where he is and how to find him. Can you say amen? And when they came with an expectant spirit and a hungry heart, amen. <laughs> Jesus, who was bone tired. Jesus who wanted to just sit down and rest. Jesus who was so tired, He said, you go ahead and buy something to eat while I rest in the shade of Jacob's well. But when a hungry woman came spiritually, He 
got a refreshing. Jesus in a human body got a refreshing in that body. And when the disciples come back and saw all that crowd of people and Jesus preaching under such an anointing, they said, has somebody brought him meat? Has somebody given him something to eat? Where is the strength coming from? Where is the enthusiasm coming from? Where? Why isn't he like just bone tired just sitting there? Don't bother me now. No, he's on fire. The Holy Ghost will light this place up if people come here hungry for God. Can you say amen? And He'll light you up. And He'll light me up. It's called fire. It's called fire. It's called fire. The Shekinah. The glory of God will manifest. We believe because of thy saying, but now we've heard him for ourselves. And when you meet him for yourself and you hear him for yourself, there's a revelation knowledge comes and it's not just in your mind. Hallelujah. Because flesh and blood does not reveal him, but my father. They said we've heard him for ourselves, and we know. We know. There's no speculation. We don't have to be indoctrinated to this truth. We know this is the Christ. This is the Son of the living God. This is the promised Messiah. Hallelujah. This is the one. Praise God. And if the church don't get excited about Him, there will never be a revival. And the church don't get the joy of their salvation and keep waiting on something or someone to do something to give us something that we think we need. And what we need is an appreciation and an appropriation for what we have when we have Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible said you're complete in Him. You're complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And ye are complete Hallelujah. That mean, and because why? Because in Him are hid all the treasuries of wisdom and knowledge. It's all in Him. And God put it all in Him, and then guess what He did? He put us in Him. And not only did He put us in Him, He put Him in us. So because of what He's done spiritually, He hath given us past tense. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Glory to God. What a sad day when Christians have lost the joy of being saved. What a bad day for our witness and our testimony. Defeated, depressed, defrauded of what is ours in Christ trying to tell a world that's on liquor and drugs, illicit sex, and every kind of debauchery, trying to fill that big empty hole that's in, that Jesus can fill that when he, they don't see it in us. If they don't see it in me, I can preach till I'm blue in the face under a heavy anointing. But if you don't see it in me, I can't make it believable to a gainsaying world. Hallelujah. 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 A spirit of lethargy, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, Proverbs said. And thy poverty, and I'm talking about physical, I'm talking about spiritual, thy poverty shall come upon thee 
like a thief that is steadfastly approaching. As long as we slumber and sleep, we invite the enemy to steal. And when he steals your joy and takes your song, your witness is dead. Nobody wants any more sadness. Nobody wants any more discouragement. They've got a plate full of it. The world can't give them peace. It'll promise it, but it can't deliver. The world can't give them true joy. It'll promise it, but it won't last. But the redeemed know where it is. Can you say, man, and they'll come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. It's time to close. But God is calling. God is calling. Brother Chuck Swindoll, it's pretty pertinent to the closing, and we will get ready to, to close with a song. <laughs> I, I, I just uh, I appreciated the story of Chippy. True story. And I see people every Sunday that you'll relate to this. So before you go to fast sleep while you're just in twilight sleep, See if you relate to this. How many know you need your joy? Listen to me carefully. Chippy the parakeet. See, the devil steals your joy. He steals your song. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise unto the Lord. The humble shall hear it. They'll be glad. It'll touch other people. But when you lose it, it's, it's, it's like an epidemic. It's like the virus coming through. Your sadness, your lack of joy, your lack of enthusiasm, you come in and everybody's down. They look for somebody to be up. There ain't nobody up to the right. There ain't nobody up to the left. Nobody to the back. Nobody to the front. Everybody's down. Guess what? The devil has achieved what he's out for. The joy of our salvation has been quenched by the pressures of life, the problems of life, the pains of life. The distractions of this world has quenched the Spirit. Quenching out the Spirit doesn't mean just hold back when God is prompting you. It means to hold back even when you don't feel a prompting. But you know you ought to be praising God. And you withhold the praise because of your feelings. Because if you haul off and praise Him in spite of your feelings, the Spirit of God is going to rise up and help you do it. Can you say amen? So quench not the Spirit by just sitting like a bump on a log. At the appointed time of praise. Chippy the parakeet. In closing. True story. Chuck Swindoll verified it. Lady is vacuuming in her living room. She's got the big end off. She's got that open end to get the you know spots and stuff on the curtains. And the phone rings and the phone is sitting by Chippy's cage. And she is going to vacuum the seed out of the bottom of Chippy's cage. You know? And Chippy's sitting up on his high perch, and she's vacuuming the seed out of his cage, seed from under his cage, and then out of his cage. Just going to stick it in, bring it out, and finish. And Chippy's sitting up there on his perch, and he sings every morning. Chippy wakes everybody up singing, 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 singing. He sings all day long. And he was singing that day while she was vacuuming. He was still singing. 
and she vacuums. And the phone rang, and she turned with the other hand to grab the phone. And she went up and sucked the parakeet into the vacuum cleaner, into that bag, the ones that have the bags back then. And he's in the vacuum bag that's full of all the dust and all of that mess. And she says, wait a minute, wait a minute. She hangs up the phone. She gets the vacuum open, pulls Chippy. He's completely covered with dust and filth out of the bag. She don't know what to do, but she knows he can't breathe. She runs into the faucet in the kitchen, turns it on full blast cold water, and holds Chippy under the faucet. It didn't drown him, but he, he thought he was a goner twice. <laughs> Chippy lived through it. But one thing came out of that. She said, ever since that day, Chippy don't sing much anymore. <laughs> because the only thing he related with the last Sunday song was that incident. Chippy been through it so bad, took his song away. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of us go through things in life that steals our joy and takes our song from us. And the devil sits back and said, I am so glad that they're so sad. That was what I wanted to achieve when I brought their test. That's what I wanted to achieve when they went through that trial. I wanted them to lose their joy and lose their song with it. But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. For He has forgiven. He has blessed the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. Psalm 103, 1. And forget not... All of His benefits. What's on the top shelf? Who forgives all thine iniquities. Who heals all thy diseases. Hallelujah. Honey, I'm loaded for praise today. He's forgiven my sin. He's healed me of cancer. Healed me of a, of a deadly stroke. Praise God. I got something to... Listen, you can't get me so distracted from what I have in Jesus to take my song from me today. You just can't do it. It means too much to me. Can you say amen? Who forgives all of thine iniquity. Who heals all of thy diseases. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. They that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as an eagle. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Who delivers thy soul from destruction. Satan wants to steal kill and destroy but Jesus said I've come to give you life and I've come to give it to you more abundantly can you say man I'm glad when I went to a, a drunkard sleep from alcohol and exhaustion that God delivered my soul from destruction I was that close to eternity but he delivered me I got a song the devil can't take He can't have it, Brother Hawks. He can't have it. I won't give it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord when you come in with a smile. 
I'll bless the Lord when you come in looking ugly at me. I'm not looking at you for that. I'm just saying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'll bless the Lord when you say amen. I'll bless the Lord when you look at me like, what? But I'm going to tell you, we're getting a wake-up call from God. And if we don't wake up and shake up and get a hold of this fire once again, then we got the Holy Ghost, but He don't got us. And we become unprofitable servants, and we become witnesses that have no effect on this world around us but you let the fire of God get in anybody in this room and suddenly someone is going to seek you out someone I led people to God at the trash compactor when I was bivocational working for Winn-Dixie how at the trash compactor someone said I was in church Sunday young lady said I was in church Sunday I heard that I heard that you're you're a minister is that right and I said well I don't look like it right now but yes I am and she said so I, I was in church Sunday and I felt like going forward but something held me back and I said yeah I know how that works and I know that someone that held you back and she said but is it too late for me to get saved. See, God kept a hold of her after church was over, after the altar call was made. Here we are on Monday out on the job and she's still under conviction. She said, she said, she said, is it too late? Well, she wouldn't care about that if she wasn't still under conviction. Oh, God was still a hold of her. Amen. I said, no, ma'am. I said, in fact, you don't even have to be in church to get saved. I said, if you want to come to Christ, He wants you to come to Him. And if you want to come to Jesus, right here you can come to Jesus right here and now tears are running down her cheeks and she said right here I said right here right now and she prayed with me the sinner's prayer and gave her heart to Jesus at the trash compact <laughs> hallelujah in the middle of a work day hallelujah Woo! But she didn't see no sad sack. Not only was she still under conviction, I was still under the residue of Sunday morning's anointing. (laughs) Hallelujah! And God just put us together at the right time. Sinners will learn your ways. Transgressors will will learn thy ways and sinners will be converted when I restore to you the joy of your salvation, your deliverance. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? How many need the fire rekindled? Let him see that you acknowledge your need. How many need the fire rekindled today? I'm not talking about your doctrine, your dogma, your scriptural knowledge. I'm talking about the fire in your heart rekindled a few of you do as there's enough of you to start a fire in this building a few of you do and there's enough of you to start a fire in this building because without the fire all you have is your doctrine your dogma even your scriptures that are correct it's you is the living epistle they're not going to look to the bible till they get past you and they get past me but if they see it in me and they see it in you sense it in us then they'll look deeper we can show them the scripture but we are the living epistles written and read by all men 
So don't just point them to the Bible. Show them something in your life. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now a lot of people don't feel this, but I feel it so strong here today. I feel a stirring in my life right now. And if you will hang out with me a little while longer, some strong things are going to occur. There's some things that I have prayed about, and I haven't even told my wife about it, and I can't tell you about it yet. But God is leading me. Hallelujah. I've asked Him to show me some things, and He is showing me. Praise God. And if it wasn't for that, I'd be ready to be put out to pasture and just try to take care of my family and, and pray and enhance my witness take care of some other things but i want you to know god wants to do something and if you will wake up with me if you'll wake up with me if you'll wake up spiritually with me acknowledge the need for the joy of salvation back if you will salah when it gets to the part about forgiveness say i'm going to stop right here and quit thinking about what i need and what i want you to do and what's going on i want to thank you for calvary I want to thank you for the cross. I want to thank you for taking my place on it. And I'm going to praise you right here. And right now, I'm not going to wait for an answered prayer. I'm not going to wait for a manifestation. I'm not going to wait for a feeling. The cross is a fact. And I have been saved because of what you did. Lord, I'm going to praise you right here, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost will rise up in you. Hallelujah. And He'll begin to move through you in the name of Jesus. Let's give Him praise together. Will you stand? God saw the hands that went up, and God sees the hearts, whether the hands went up or not. God sees the hearts today. Hallelujah. 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 Chippy don't sing much because Chippy don't get it. Chippy is not like you and me. The last time he sung, he got it in the neck. When we sing, hallelujah, we glorify the King of glory. Praise is the language of faith, Brother Hobbs. And when we sing his praises, when we sing his praises with the high praises of God in my mouth and a sword in my hand. It's not enough to know your Bible if you can't worship your God. Come on, you got to have a praise in your mouth. you got to have a sword in your hand. Can you say amen? But when they get together, when they get together, when they get together, when they get combined, it's like a chemical reaction. Can you say amen? With the high praises of God, the Scripture said, in your mouth, and a sword in your hand, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, then kings and princes will be bound with fetters of iron and fetters of brass. That means all those powers and principalities that are arrayed against you and arrayed against me, they're going to be paralyzed. They're going to be neutralized. They're not going to be able to function. They're not going to be able to defraud you, destroy you, discourage you, or defeat you with the high praises of God in your mouth and a sword in your hand. Princes and kings will be bound up. Hallelujah. 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 Don't tell me he don't fear this. But if you don't have a praise in your heart, you won't use this. The word in your heart 
is the sword in its sheath. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? The word in your heart. The word in your head. The word in your heart is the sword in its sheath. It only has power when it's in your mouth. When Jesus comes, how's he going to deal with the devil? Out of his mouth. Something went out of his mouth. Out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was say it. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something about the sword that came out of his mouth. Amen. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. Where is the Word of God sown? In your heart and in your mind. When is the Word of God going to defeat the devil and bring forth fruit? When it gets out of your mind, out of your heart, into your mind, and through your mind, into your mouth. Can you say amen? It is written. Hallelujah. The devil has Jesus weak in in his humanness. He has him hungry. And he tells him to turn stones to bread. And Jesus said, it is written. He tells him, if you're the Son of God, jump off this pinnacle. Didn't the Bible say angels will bear you up? And he said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Hallelujah. 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 Three scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy. Three scriptures. Just three. And the Bible said, and the devil left him and tempted him no more that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe that the sword in his mouth can get into your mouth? That the Word of God is the Word of God whether He says it or whether you say it. I'll tell you who does believe it. The devil believes every single word of it. Because he knows it's true. He knows that it's true. He knows that it's true. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I don't know how God's going to do it with you. I know He's working in our our life. Sometimes you have to get in a in a winter time. Sometimes you have to get in a desert before you get serious about finding water. Sometimes it takes a drought before we get serious about praying for water. Can you say amen? I believe we're in a spiritual drought, not just here, but in the nation. I don't care about how big the church, the congregation. I'm talking about a spiritual drought. There's a famine in the land. It's not a famine for water or for food. It's a famine for the hearing. The hearing. The hearing. The hearing of the Word of God. The hearing with the intent to obey. The heeding of the Word of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 We don't need anything new. We don't need anything different. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Lest at any time we, we allow them to slip by. The word slip is the word for a ship that is headed for a port. It gets almost to the port. All it has to do is go right on in and tie up. But instead, it passes right on by. 
That's how easily you can miss what God and the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. You can walk out of here and a spirit of slumber get on you and come back as dead spiritually as you were when you walked in that door. Or you can walk out with that spirit of slumber broken and you can awake to righteousness and sin not. Can you say amen? And say, Lord, I'm not going to sin in my time. I'm not going to sin in my talent. I'm not going to sin, Lord, in the areas of my life that I've let slip anymore. I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to do some things for you. Hallelujah. One thing I'm going to do, I'm not going to sin by not showing gratitude for what you've done for me in Jesus Christ. I'm going to bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to salah before I get too busy thinking about other things. And I'm going to think about what a joy it is to be forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you join hands? Let's pray together. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm a Holy Ghost preacher. I don't know any other way to preach or teach. Hallelujah. 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 Gloria and da ba city and da ba sa ta da ba kolobo nenda da ba city and da ba kata. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to ever lose it, Brother Taylor. I don't want to ever concede to the devil that I'm just going to teach what I know to teach and forget the challenge, forget the mighty challenge from God to His people. Oh, but the hour is so late. The coming of the Lord is so near. The harvest is so plenteous. And the workers are so very few. The only reason people are not getting saved is because the workers in the field, the ones that really can make a difference, are so very, very, very few. Make a White unto harvest. White unto harvest. Your job is your field. Your family is your field. This is not the job of the church. You are the church. You are the church. It's your family. It's your workers, fellow workers. I can't go there. I'm not, I'm not in that circle. You're in that circle. Your friends. Your friends. Your friends. Your friends is your field. I don't know your friends. They don't come here to church. This church can't go to them. It's your friends. It's your family. Can you say amen? If the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? So the devil wants to put the fire out in you. He wants to put it out in me. Can you say amen? Father, stir us today. Hallelujah. Don't bring us back in a state of lethargy. Bring us back in a state of alertness. Holy cognizance and let us be sensitive to your sweet powerful holy spirit and let us come with ears to hear not just what the preacher's preaching but what the holy spirit is saying to the church hallelujah that we are that we are part of 
and parcel of in the name of Jesus. And let the fires of a true revival begin to burn in hearts. And let us not be distracted this week. Let it be a week of seeking you and being satisfied with the living water. It's for our deep thirst of our souls. In Jesus Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Now you know what I'm going to say. Go and eat the fat and drink the sweet. For the joy of your Lord is your strength. So celebrate today the joy of Jesus Christ. We love you. Don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be good, I believe.